Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. Today, we have the lovely Natashka, all the way from Portland, joining us today. So, it's funny because... <laughs> Before COVID happened, I was supposed to do a Portland mini-series. I was supposed to go down to Portland, interview a bunch of different strippers and sex workers down there. But alas, as you may know, COVID hit. It is still here. The borders are not opening up anytime soon. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I had to reach out and um, get Natashka to speak on the show on a, on the very, very, very important topic of substance abuse and addiction within the stripper community and also within sex work. So that was a long-winded introduction. Natashka, are you there? I'm still here. Yay. <laughs> and that, wasn't very, that wasn't very long-winded, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes I just ramble. Also, I'm Steph, uh, your host, aka Kimchi. I always forget to introduce myself in every episode. Hello. But uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for uh, joining me on the show today. Yes, thank you for having me. This is this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. It's, it's a hard topic, of course, because this is obviously something that's very, very personal to you. But yes. yes, but I also think it's also important and responsible to, to share your story because there are probably so many others that are suffering as well or struggling. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we talk about that. But um. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah, we couldn't meet in Portland, <laughs> but we are here. <laughs> but um, we met, was it a couple of years ago, I think? Yeah, it was at least a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. So you are a Russian pole dancer. At, yes, I am. Yes, the lovely studio that actually, I think it's like one of the only studios that only specializes in Russian style exotic dance, and that is Kiska. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, yeah, so Kiska was started by um, my best friend Lauren and Krista. Cool. Oh my god, like four or five years ago now. Oh, Is it really? Been, yeah, it's been that long. Oh my god! Yeah, and they just they just they started the space as like a jam session, uh, just so that they could go in and practice. And then everybody was just like, "Hey, like I want to take classes." And so then they were like, well, let's actually, you know, open up a studio. Now, I can't, you know, give them their full story because maybe I don't know all of it. But for the most part, I know the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to have Lauren um, on the show at some point. <laughs> oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the funny thing is, is how I found Kisco was me and a, another stripper, we were like, hey, like, let's get really good on the pole. Like, let's go start taking classes. And I looked up two, and I was just like, okay, whichever one calls me back first, that's the studio we're going to go with. (laughs) And Kiska called me back first, which I can't even tell you how grateful and thankful I am that they called me back first. There you go. That's the story of how you started. (laughs) That is the I was like, all right, whichever one calls me back first. As simple as that. Um, yeah, and then, like, I started in the studio. Because, like, before I went to the studio, I was just like, no, I'm hot shit. Like, <laughs> I've got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then I went to the studio, and I was just like, oh, my God. I don't know what I'm doing. Teach me everything you know. <laughs> That's so amazing. Like, I honestly, <laughs> I think a lot of people have the same mentality. <laughs> Like, no, nah, we don't need lessons. Like, I got this. I'm a natural. And then you yeah. go and you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Because I definitely felt like the reason why I wanted to start taking classes was I had felt like I had, you know, like I worked with so many amazing dancers. Like, it was insane. Like, I would watch these girls and, like, I would go around to the tables and be like, you need to tip her. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Telling it um, like it is. Yeah. And so, like, I felt like I was kind of hitting this plateau a little bit. And so that's why I wanted to go into the studio. And then when I realized, oh, I ain't shit, I got to take so many lessons. So then I just delved full into the studio. And then I discovered Russian Exotic. Yes. And, like, actually dancing in heels. Because before I went to the studio, I was 
I was the girl in the vans. That was kind of my thing. <laughs> oh, um, really? Yeah. I what? For like, yeah. So I was a dancer for, or a stripper for almost six years. Yeah. And my very first two years, I strictly wore vans. What? I cannot, like, that would not fly up here in Canada. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> That's there, amazing. There are a lot of clubs here in Portland that, um, they're like, you know, heels only. Mm-hmm. And when I was, uh, the club that I was at, they were like, yeah, as long as you don't wear fur or leather, you're good to go. <laughs> so you're like, Vans is my shoe yeah. of choice. <laughs> That's awesome. And of course, um, if you guys are listening, Portland is obviously very, very well known for its strippers or being the stripper, 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 <laughs> stripper capital of the USA, maybe of the world. Who knows? It is pretty amazing. There are a lot of strip clubs down there. There are so many strip clubs. It's like it's almost like Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of correct in that, so. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how did you, okay, so backwards, let's go backwards. How did you get involved in stripping? So, um, me, so I was working at Jack in the Box. Okay. Love Um, that place. Oh, my God. (laughs) When I down the States, I love Jack in the Box. (laughs) They were delicious, Um, but my... Ex girlfriend at the time, she had just turned 21, and my friends Steven and Brandon were like, Oh my God, you guys are both 21 now. We got to go to a strip club. <laughs> Classic. And we went. I got rather drunk, but as you do. As you should. And I like was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> A, pe- people are throwing money at you, and I was just like watching the dancing and I was just like this is a whole new world like I had no idea that this existed yeah it's a totally Um, different world for sure (laughs) yeah and so then I like looked at my buddy and I was just like I want to do this and he immediately gets up goes and talks to the manager and he comes back and he's like all right you have an audition tomorrow at two what Just like that. (laughs) Just like that. And I was just like, all right. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what? I'll do it. I'll go audition. There's no way that they're going to hire me. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before in my life. But, you know, it'll be a fun story to say I auditioned to be a stripper. Okay. And so I go to my audition. I'm like panicking. I'm like, (laughs) what do I wear? What do I do? What, like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, what do you do? What do you do in a stripper audition? <laughs> right? What, what, now I've got like, okay, this is what you do, you know, A, B, and C. Um, right. But then I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to dance like the night before. Like, I asked my girlfriend to sit in a chair. <laughs> and I was just like, you're going to be a customer. We're going to practice my audition. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then, like, you know, I did my three-song stage set, and the guy was just, like, he... And the funny thing is, is he was opening the club up. Like, I remember him, like, bringing a mop through the club and, like, <laughs> casually looking at me and then not looking at me. Um, and That's so, so he, funny. He, I get done with my three-song set, and then he comes back, and he's like, okay, so we have an opening. Uh, do you want to just stay the rest of the day? What? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Seriously? And did you stay? I did stay. I called into my shift at Jack in the Box and I stayed. Oh, fuck. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nerve-wracking. And, like, I remember, like, I went and, like, sat at this one girl's stage mm-hmm. and, like, tipped her. And she's probably thinking, what the hell is this girl doing? Why is she works here? Why is she sitting at my stage? And then the manager comes by. <laughs> And it's like, she's brand new, like, you know, like, show her some tricks and, like, show her the ropes. And the girl was so sweet. She was like, oh, well, here's your money back. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's the sweetest. Um, And she, yeah, she taught me a lot, like, that first, like, month of me dancing. Like, I was glued to her. I was just like, 
teach me everything you know, teach me about like how to like sell lap dances. Oh, also when I first started, my ex-girlfriend was very clear. She was just like, no lap dances. And I was just really? like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. She was like, you can dance on stage, you can get naked, but no lap dances. And I was totally fine with that. Okay. And so like that, like that type of like hustle, I didn't really learn right at the beginning. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot to learn too as well. (laughs) It's, it's so much to learn. And I remember I was like my first day, this construction worker comes in and he puts down $6 and I was just like, oh my God, he just gave me $6. I'm so rich. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) That's such a good story. Wow. Right. And I told him, I was like, it's my very first day. He's like, ever? And I was just like, yeah. He's like, well, be prepared for people to not tip you like I just did. And I was like, okay, I'll remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, Lots of people not tipping. Right. <laughs> right. That's and a thing. I was just like, I, that was my thing. I would tell everybody. I was just like, I'm brand new. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be your shtick for like was my shtick, a year. Yeah. <laughs> That's but yeah, awesome. that is how I got started. And then I was dancing at this one club, and everybody at that club was told me to go to the club that I ended up dancing at for nearly six years. Okay, I still can't. I still can't believe it's been six years. That's so crazy <laughs> to think. Time flies. It does fly. Time flies when you're making money. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but my grandma had come up, and I was very adamant of not telling her. Okay. Because I have a cousin that used to be a dancer, and she, I just remember her being like, I can't believe she's doing that, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Okay. And so my grandma came up to visit me, and I stopped dancing for like a month and a half. And then finally, I was just like, I miss dancing so much. That was so much fun. <laughs> um, so then I went to the, the club that I danced at for almost six years, and... The rest is history. <laughs> oh my gosh. There we go. Such a story. Oh my gosh. And each club in Portland is kind of different. Like each club has like their own kind of unique style and stuff too. Oh, yeah. Would you agree? <laughs> I would totally agree. Um, <laughs> like some tried to be like Vegas. Yes. Um, we definitely have a lot more like rockability. Rockability mm-hmm. clubs. I think that's how you say it. Something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was one thing that I definitely felt like stood out to being in, um, like stood out for Portland. Yeah. Um, and, you know, girls covered in tattoos. Yes. Um, we have one burlesque club, which it was always my dream to dance there. Okay. Um, but my audition that I did there, I tripped, and they were like, yeah, sorry. No. Yeah. Oh, damn, that's so unfortunate. I know. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's okay, though. That's okay. You know, I... Yes. <laughs> you had a long stint because, like, you're obviously, you're not, you're not dancing anymore, which we'll get into that story real soon. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so another thing I want to bring up, too, which is kind of a sidebar as well, but um, obviously I want to kind of highlight the political climate, um, climate? God, I cannot talk today, the political climate in Portland right now, so, I mean, we are recording this in August by the time this is released, hopefully, hopefully the, the climate will kind of calm down a little bit, so... But mm-hmm. basically, and I know um, I'm not crazy about politics, but I try to keep myself educated and also, you know, in the know as well. But I mean, with the whole BLM movement, there's been a whole um, kind of like explosion of protests that's been yes. happening down there, which is still happening at the time of recording, as you mentioned, pre-recording. So uh, if you guys aren't aware, too, uh, basically, and correct me if I'm wrong. Trump sent in a bunch of, like, federal forces, uh, I guess, for, like, riot control, some kind of protection or something. I don't even actually know why he sent these people in, but... I'm not 100% (laughs) sure on why he sent them in either. Yeah. Um, As far as I know, though, they are gone. They are gone. Okay, good. Okay, perfect. Because I remember seeing some videos online of them snatching people off the street and... People are not exactly knowing where they're going and 
kind of like silently detaining them, which is super freaky and yeah. totally weird. So uh, what's, what's happening right now, too, because I, I know you mentioned before we recorded, you kind of drove by the area where the protests are happening. And yeah. you said it's still active? Uh, they're still active, like, in it. Like, driving by, like, I'll admit, like, I was expecting a little bit more, like, like chaos. Mm-hmm. But it was it was peaceful. Oh, it good. Was, yeah, they were just sitting there with signs and, you know, being like, nope, this is what we're doing. This is what we're speaking for. So it was it was actually good to see, like, in person, like, oh, they're not just rioting and looting. Yeah, which which also it's, happened though too. That was the very first like very portion. first run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but obviously, it's it's great to hear that things have calmed down. It sounds like at least. So, hopefully, by the time this gets released, maybe there won't be much going on anymore. Hopefully, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. There's, there's there's a lot of things happening in America right now that I'm just watching on the news and kind of keeping up with, or barely keeping up with, to be honest. It's, right. It's just crazy. <laughs> and of course, um, what about COVID? How is it down there? Because I know that Portland was Portland was a hot spot for COVID too at some point. Yeah. No, COVID's been like the masks are mandated. Yeah. Which it's it's not funny, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like you know, with my current job, um, we're required to wear masks, mm-hmm. and it's. I feel naked without it now. Yeah. So, but no, like, you know, I definitely feel that, like, you know, like, I wear the mask just to protect everybody around me. It's not to really protect me. It's to protect others around me. Yeah. You know, like, I do work in a essential job where it's, I see hundreds of people a day. Right. So. so, yeah, it's, t- it's definitely to your benefit. So, guys, wear a mask even here in Vancouver, Canada. And, yeah, it's like phase three. Like, most things are pretty much open here. But it's, it's like the cases are going back up again. I think there's like 146 cases the other day. And, oh, wow. yeah, like, which is crazy because there used to only be like 20. And then long weekend parties happen. And obviously summertime, everyone wants to be outside. But... Yeah, the cases have started to go up again, which is kind of upsetting. So I'm just yeah. kind of starting to like slowly retreat back into my apartment again. <laughs> <laughs> and like, see you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, I just really wanted to mention that part because I think it's really important. But yeah, obviously the main focus of this episode is addiction, substance abuse, and whatnot, and how that relates to your stripping story because... Again, I don't really know much about it, but mm-hmm. I believe that they are intertwined. So if we can... They definitely are intertwined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if we can pivot the conversation to that, that'd be awesome. And I honestly don't really know much about your story. So I'm going to let you take the reins here. Where, yeah, where do you want to um, start? <laughs> so let's see. Uh, ooh, where do we begin? Where do we begin? <laughs> Yeah, like, I danced for six years, and it was really the last year where things became, 2019 was not a good year. (laughs) Okay, okay, it was a shit show Um, for me, too, but (laughs) I need to hear your story. Yes, so let's just, let's back it up. So I, it was definitely coke that, you know, was my issue. Okay. Um, I... This is probably going to be a cop-out answer, and that's totally fine. But sometimes I think... So I first did coke with one of my really good friends. He unfortunately died in a car accident. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. uh, So, like, there would be moments where I'd be like, am I just doing this so I can feel connected to him? Oh, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) Um, Which, again, it's a total cop-out answer. Like, I loved Coke. It was an amazing drug. It's it's bad, but it was so amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I first tried it with him. And then, like, I mean, unfortunately, the stereotype is a little true. Like, you go to a strip club and you can find Coke pretty much anywhere. Right. Um, And so, like... My first 
whatchamacallit, uh, like first like couple of months at this new club, mm-hmm. I, I found some and I was just like, oh my God, I forgot what this was like. This is amazing. Woo! Woo! Party! <laughs> <laughs> and my boyfriend at the time, he had found out that I had done some and I remember him saying, I don't want my future wife to be a cokehead and that really stuck with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, I'm never going to touch this stuff again. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I stopped for, like, five years. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. In terms of a timeline, is this, like, in the beginning of when you started your stripping career? Or, like, mm-hmm. where? It is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then um, you stopped for a bit after you said, hey, I don't want my future wife to be a cokehead. Yeah. So you're like, okay. Really, like meant something to me i was just like oh my gosh like this yeah. could actually affect you that's a big statement because you are like affecting other people too right yeah. it's not just yourself but um, and so then we broke up and like you know what he'll never listen to this so i'm gonna say everything um, <laughs> say it all <laughs> um, he like we would do like like board game sessions, like okay, no, we wouldn't do board game sessions. We would play D and D together. Okay. <laughs> and I'll admit, like I had a little bit of a hard time focusing. Like I had like friends texting me. I had things that I wanted to be doing. Like I loved the game, but it was just I had things that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And so he would give me Adderall, so I would focus. Oh, okay, okay. Another layer to this story, okay. Yes, that was definitely the start was him giving me Adderall. Okay. And so, you know, he'd give me the Adderall, and then I realized that I could use Adderall to clean the house. I could use Mm -hmm. Adderall to organize my bedroom. I could use Adderall to do everything. Yeah. And so we broke up, and... Then I met this guy who he would just give me so much Adderall. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So much. Uh Uh-oh. And, like, we would just go on, like, benders of just drinking and doing Adderall. And since I wasn't with my ex anymore, like, I no longer had that I don't want my future wife thing in my head anymore yeah he didn't have that guilt kind of overhanging hanging yeah yeah have any of that guilt and so you know being with this guy it was the first time where not saying that my ex is unattractive but it was the first time that I had been with somebody who was so hot (laughs) (laughs) but he was so hot (laughs) and you know, and it's like he was hot. He thought I was hot. We did drugs together, and so it was just like this whole thing. And then, yeah, okay. It kind of made me realize I was like, I think I'm like at the time I was like, I think I might have a little bit of a drug problem. That's oh, oops. yeah, oops. Like, when did you come to that realization? Like, how far or how long were you doing Adderall and like? Also, just drinking and mixing that all together. Yeah. um, Only about, like, two months. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Don't worry. There is is more to the story. But there's more. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Two months? And and you're already – you realized, okay, I'm addicted at this point. Holy crap. That moves fast. Yeah. And then, like, you know, like – because I had met him at the strip club. Okay. And then, like, I, you know, was, like, trying to steer clear of Adderall. And then just one day, all of a sudden, I just, I don't even remember the day. I just remember I started Coke again. Okay. So, okay. So there's a lot of things in this story here. So I'm hearing Adderall, a kind of dependency on Adderall, I'm hearing, um, Alcohol is also mixed in there, too. And then Mm -hmm. Coke is laced in with that as well. But also your environment is also you have you have access to all of this. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So lots of layers here. Whoa. Okay. So (laughs) continue. Continue. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like. 
like since so my ex-boyfriend was the is the bouncer at the club that I used to work at okay and you know like during the time when I was clean you know he would he would just tell me who was doing coke in the bathroom wow and so once we broke up like I searched those people out and I was just like hey let's party let's Let's do some drugs. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> was this on shift or was this like outside oh, of yeah. work? This was, this was so on shift. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. You know, it's like I would walk into the bathroom and there'd be like five or six people in there just waiting for the stall so that we could all party together. Yeah, have some fun. Have some fun. Right. And it's my, it definitely started out as, okay, like, I'll do it at work. You know, it, it did loosen me up and it made me want to talk with people more. Mm-hmm. It definitely, like, kind of helped. Also, I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line is I loved cocaine and it was my choice of drug and it was amazing. But then, you know, obviously, we'll talk about recovery a little bit later. Yeah, Um, for sure. Because cocaine, that's that's an upper. That's just everything, you're in a good mood, you know, everything's great, you're you're at the top of the world, and stuff like that, right, too. So, okay. Oh, yeah. And then, so, like, I started doing it at work, and I made some friends that I probably shouldn't have been friends with, because they definitely kind of added to my addiction okay in what way Um, would they add to your addiction like one friend lived like two blocks away from me oh my gosh so i would just go over to her house for days on end and we would just stay up and do lots of coke yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay i get it okay so not Um, particularly good people to be surrounded with but good people to party with yeah okay yeah I get it and then so yeah it's just it started as like oh I would just do some at work and then like I would you know save it for the next time like Mm -hmm. I remember the very first bag of drugs that I actually bought it lasted me three weeks whoa which I yeah whoa because I was only just using it at work and then like once I bought the next baggie like that only lasted me like a week Oh, wow. And then the more I kept buying, the less they lasted. Right. Um, And, well, where was I going with that? (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Take a minute if you need to, like, like, gather your thoughts. This is, like, such a huge, huge part of your life and also a huge personal story. So, yeah, take as much time as you need. Yeah, so, like, each baggie would last littler and littler yeah and then like I met this guy who I thought I thought I was gonna marry him but obviously I didn't and thank god I didn't (laughs) in hindsight you're like oh hell no (laughs) yeah um I also met him at work and we just started bonding over all of the drugs that we had done right you were connected Um, that way we were connected that way and then he he does not live in the States, so he would fly in to see me, and we would just stay in a hotel room for, like, two days and just drink and do copious amounts of coke. Right. And then, like, I had some... Because, like, I was doing... I was functioning. I'm going to say functioning. I probably wasn't. Like, looking back, I probably wasn't. But I like to consider that I was a functioning cokehead and, like, had my my stuff together and yeah, was doing okay. And then I had something happen around my birthday that, like, sent me into, like, an emotional turmoil. And I just was using so much, like, even more so than I was before. Oh, Um, wow. I weighed, like, 98 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it it was really bad. And, yeah. And then something just kind of clicked where I was just like, I think I need to go to rehab. Yeah. Like what, what was that tipping point for you? Or like, when did you draw the line then? So like, 
when did you realize that? Was, was there like a um, defining moment at all or was it just like? There, there was a little <laughs> bit of a defining moment. It was when I realized that my actions were affecting those around me. Okay. Like. In what capacity, if you don't mind me asking? Just like how much it was affecting like my work friends, like because mm-hmm. they started, like I remember I had one hit me up and they're like, I feel like you're only talking to me so that you can get more coke. Oh, like, you know, like I had several people come up to me and be like, I'm worried about you. Like, you're not looking so good. Like, you probably think you look like hot shit right now, but you don't look like hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you had some people that were, you know, kind of being like, hey, you might need some help. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good at um, least. So, okay. Yeah. So you came to that point then. Yeah, that was January 1st of this year, actually. Oh, wow. Super recent. Super recent, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. So all of this, a lot of the turmoil was happening, yeah, as you said, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then, and then yeah, I guess fast forward now to January, so. Yeah, so January, like, I realized that I needed to check into rehab, so I had, <laughs> this is so bad. What? But I had a... <laughs> I had a big old pile of coke and was like, all right, this is going to be my last year raw. I'm going to find a rehab center. I'm going to do all this coke and then I'm <laughs> going to go to rehab. Oh my um, gosh. And one thing that really sucks about, I mean, not to, you know, get into like our healthcare system or whatever, but it was mm-hmm. so hard trying to find someplace. Really? It was excruciating because I made too much to qualify for our healthcare. Okay. I wasn't dependent upon opiates so they didn't think that I was a high enough risk to just like Mm. be there okay and so it was just like or if I wanted to go to rehab it was going to cost me like 18 grand oh god that's so much money that's so much (laughs) (laughs) so I, I didn't realize for rehab centers that there are those certain requirements and those barriers yeah, that was definitely hard, and I, you know, I'm sitting here, granted, I'm still doing coke, I'm sitting here, and I'm just thinking, I just want to get help, like, how can I not get help right now, like, this yeah. doesn't make any sense, and, like, no. I've tried a couple meetings, but I just, I just felt like that system just didn't work for me. Okay, yeah. And then fast forward, like, two months, I was doing really good, like, I was only using occasionally, And then the turning point was I used, I drank, and I did some Molly. And I was, pardon my language, but I was a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You could definitely swear in the podcast. (laughs) Okay. I was so fucked up. I was out of my mind. And my current boyfriend, which I'm super grateful and super thankful for, he's amazing, uh, had to pick me up. And he took me home to my apartment, which was disgusting at the time because, well, I was just a cokehead. He took me home and, like, I slept it off. And then the next day he came and picked me up and we were just going to go get something to eat. Like, I didn't really, like, I knew I was going to have to apologize for the night before. But just seeing, like, this look of fear in his eyes, I was just like, oh my god why haven't I seen this look before like if I would have seen this look from anybody else I probably would have stopped sooner but really so he just looked like disappointed or it was disappointed it was worry it was fear it was all of these things and it was just it was heartbreaking right to see him that way and I was just like yep I'm never gonna use again wow (laughs) Wow, yeah, that's pretty powerful, you know. Um, when people are concerned for you, they don't necessarily have to say something to you. But as you mentioned there with your boyfriend, just that look can just yeah be enough. That says enough, right? Yeah, that look with everything. Like anytime I think about using again or, you know, finding Adderall, I just think back to that look and I'm like, nope. Nope. Not doing it. 
not doing it. Yeah. No matter how much I want to, it's, I've worked a lot of days this past week and it's just, I'm like, I could get through this if I had some Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that happened. What were your steps to recovery then? Like how, how did that work in like Um, finding your sobriety? Honestly, I went cold turkey. Wow. That's incredibly strong of you. How, especially when you're fighting addiction, like how much yeah. of a struggle was that? Like how challenging was that for you? Oh my gosh, it was so challenging. And like I had my best friend, I like because I'm in therapy. Mm-hmm. Yay, mental health. <laughs> yes, don't, 100%. <laughs> um, and he was just like, because you know, I was just like, I just want to use again. I just want to use again. And he was just like, what is something that would make you never want to use again? And I, and I said, losing my best friend. And he was just like, then you need to tell her that. And so I sat her down and I was like, look, I need you to tell me that if I use again, you will no longer be my best friend. Oh, wow. I do very well with ultimatums. (laughs) I was going to say, like, that is a pretty big ultimatum. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, any time that I have, like, a moment of feeling like I want to use, like, I'll reach out to her or I'll reach out to my boyfriend. And I'm just like, wait, nope. Because he's even kind of mentioned, he's just like, I don't know what I would do if you used again. Yeah. And so it's just I have these two people in my life that I care so deeply about that drugs are not worth losing either of them. Totally. Totally. And you know what? I actually forgot to ask you, like, sorry, we have to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, but right before we dive into the conversation about recovery, but how did your substance abuse and your addiction, how did that, how is that interlaced with um, the industry? Because I know that you were surrounded by the accessibility yeah. of drugs and drug users and stuff too. Because obviously when you were recovering, you also left the industry as well you left stripping Mm -hmm. so I forgot to to mention that part but if you don't mind going into that that'd be awesome yeah no not at all I mean I was making so much money it was stupid (laughs) did you miss the money (laughs) and so like I was making all this money and like drug dealers would come in and so it would just be like I had the money I had access it was just I mean I could hit up a drug dealer and they would meet me at the club yeah And so it was just, you know, like I was making all the money. I worked with a bunch of people who used as well. Drug dealers would come in and it was just, it was so accessible and it was just so, it almost felt like it was, it's not the right thing to do, but it (laughs) felt like it was the right thing to be doing. Really? Um, Hmm. Yeah. Like it was, I... You know, I was wearing heels. I was wearing, like, sexy outfits. Don't worry, this ties in. But it's just, like, I finally finally felt like I was an actual stripper. Okay. If that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. And, like, the girls that don't drink and don't use and do all these things, do love strippers, I I give mad props to. Because I'm just like, how? Yeah. Totally. And it really feeds into that the whole stereotype, too, that we're fed with the media and also just Mm -hmm. historically, I guess, as well. Like, it just kind of goes hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Right? So. And it's, and it was tough because, you know, like, there would be, like, we, I had, I still have her as a friend. She's also clean like I am, which is awesome. Perfect. Um, You know. We would go to work together and we'd be like, okay, tonight's the night that we're not going to use. And then sure enough, like an hour, hour and a half later, one of us would come up to each other and be like, I had a bump. And I'd be like, yeah, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's really hard. Yeah. It makes it incredibly difficult to even want to quit. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's just like, you know, like it definitely takes – Oh my God, I'm going to sound like my grandma. It's fine. <laughs> it definitely 
it definitely takes a village to have a support system that's willing to be there for you to like help you with recovery mm-hmm. and not to say that none of those girls would have you know not helped me but it's just when you're using and they're using and then you tell them that they don't that you don't want to use it's it's hard to say no when you go into the bathroom yeah that was honestly the hardest part was not the hardest part was just going into the bathroom wow that's crazy that is such mm-hmm. a really 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 personal story for you to share I can't even, I I can't even imagine. I don't think I've actually ever like really told that story. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You're so welcome. I just, it's, it's really hard. Like I feel like, I think things are a little bit different here in Canada and I don't want to generalize, but in Vancouver, I don't know, all the people that I used to dance with, because I I want to say that I don't strip anymore because the agency sucks. But anyways, that's another story. can't get bookings but like a lot of us were just sober or at least sober while we were uh working and then if we Mm -hmm. we were done then we would drink or you know smoke up or whatever but yeah but that's really that's really hard yeah and like you know like you know let's take coke aside like drinking that Mm -hmm. was another really tough one for me because it's like not necessarily that I would get free alcohol, but customers would offer drinks nonstop. I yeah. mean, there was a while there where I was drunk before 11 p.m. and my shift started at 9. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And then I knew, like, with the drinking, I knew I had hit not necessarily rock bottom, but definitely a spot when I started buying my own alcohol. Yeah. When you're like, okay, got to do this myself. But yep, got to do this myself. Totally. Damn. So when you were, okay, so I guess, well, I just wanted to hear a bit about that. But like, I guess when you decided that you wanted to become a sober, mm-hmm. couple questions here. Um, did you end up going to rehab or no? Or not? No, I couldn't no. afford it and I didn't have health care. So it's, it sucked because I really wanted to go. Yeah. That's I found so, this great so nice. one. It was so perfect in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> in Florida, though. <laughs> in Florida. Oh my and God. Like, they definitely didn't necessarily, because, like, this isn't to say anything about the NA program. You know, it's worked for, you know, lots, like, thousands and thousands of people. Mm-hmm. But it was just, I didn't want my life to become, I was addicted to Coke, and then I became addicted to NA. I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of almost cure my addictions yeah um and so that's kind of what this rehab facility would focus on was it was you know we're not going to make you become addicted to meetings and you know that sort of thing it yeah was, they were gonna i mean i don't necessarily know if you can actually cure addiction that's true that's a question that's up in the air yeah but that was definitely their focus of let's figure out the real root of why you're addicted and then let's focus on that. Right. But then again, one is in Florida. Two, I don't even know how much that is. <laughs> that, one, that one with the plane ticket was, that was the $18,000 one. Oh, God, that was the $18,000 one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you quit everything cold turkey. And by everything. So I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't quit everything cold turkey. I still occasionally will have like, a glass of wine okay to like unwind from the day and that's that's been actually very therapeutic oh good like you know like I get a little bit of a buzz and I'm just like you know what okay I'm good yeah because I was I I did quit drinking like for like four months okay wow and you know no drugs no drinking and then just I wanted to be not necessarily social, but it's like I wanted to just relax and like have like a glass of wine. And I wanted, I wanted to see if I could actually do it. That was the big thing is I wanted to see if I could just have like one to two. Right. What was? And I can. Yeah, and you can. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what was your like biggest struggle? I guess in the whole. In your whole road to recovery, 
biggest struggle was, I guess, just not relapsing. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's still my biggest struggle. It's like I've been clean six months. Congratulations, and, by the way. What? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and that's still my biggest struggle is, you know, it's it's really everywhere you look still. Yeah. Like, I still find it. And, like, there's been a couple times, like, I've gotten text messages from people that I used to work with and being like, hey, like, I've got some fire stuff for you. And I'm just like, want to give into that so bad. But then, like, I think about my best friend. I think about my boyfriend. And then I also think about my job now. Yeah. So it's definitely just not relapsing has been the biggest struggle. For sure. Um, And I guess actually also, like, cutting people out. Because, like, I had to cut out, Mm -hmm. like, a bunch of people. Because I was just like, I can't talk to you. I can't see you. I can't, you know. Associate yourselves with those people. Exactly. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah, because it's just a lot of enabling attitudes to and behavior that would get you back into that vicious cycle of addiction. Oh, yeah. Right? So you have – it's necessary, though, I think, Mm -hmm. to cut those people out because it's just like a poison. You know what I mean? Oh, it totally is. And I mean, honestly, like the biggest reason why I got out of the industry was because I knew that if I got, if I stayed, I was probably going to end up dead. Oh my gosh. You know what? I don't, I don't blame you. It's not, it's not a, that's not an exaggeration. No. It's not. I it's was really going real. I to end up dead. Oh my gosh. Well, I think it's really, really, really brave of you and super strong for you to quit on the ways that you had quit (laughs) everything and also to, you know, cut out all those bad veins that can, you know, feed into that addiction and also really strong of you to come into the show and to speak about this. So important. Well, yeah, because I was just like, I saw so many of my coworkers and fellow dancers that were slipping and like being exactly where I am. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't know. I kind of wanted to come on and be like, Hey, this is, this is a real thing. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> this, isn't, this just isn't in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. This is reality. <laughs> well, what about, I mean, that's, that's an incredibly inspiring story as well thank you so much for sharing yeah of course what about like your your future goals and plans did you want to speak a little bit about that as well yeah sure do you mean like with recovery or just in general just in general and recovery (laughs) um well the goal is to stay clean the rest of my life yes (laughs) Uh, um which honestly like if you would have asked me like two one like I don't know, like four months ago, if I would stay clean the rest of my life, I probably would have told you no. Mm-hmm. But now I I actually think I can stay clean the rest of my life. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so um, great to hear. But yeah, so like the job that I'm at now, it's an essential job. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've already, like I've been there six months and I was promoted within my first month. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Great news. And I... Just got promoted again. Wow, within six months? That's amazing. Yeah, it's been been incredible. And it's just, I see this ladder and I just want to keep going. I want to see how high up this ladder I can go with this company. Totally. And so, yeah, those are definitely my goals. And it's, for a while there, I thought I was just a dancer. Like, I thought I was going to be dancing the rest of my life. Right. And, like, being with this company, I'm like, wait a minute, no. I'm not just a dancer. Like, I can still be a dancer. Like, I, you know, I have a pole in my apartment. I still dance. I still take classes. Yes. Um, (laughs) And it's just so interesting to have goals that don't revolve around pole anymore. Like, I have 
like different goals and it's so weird to have them. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a change, right? (laughs) It's a total change. That's awesome to hear. Well, I cannot wait to keep up with you. So I wanted to kind of shift over to a Q&A as okay, well because there are a few more questions here too so um and they're i feel like they're kind of like bigger questions but you're, you're free to answer whichever way that you please so given your experience have you witnessed a lot of women get cut up, caught up in the lifestyle oh 100 yeah yeah you definitely 100%. i got caught up in the lifestyle there you go i mean the money the drugs the drinking the partying it just i like 2019 I partied that entire year yeah I mean it was just a non-stop party and like it was insane and I thought that I was living my best life and mm-hmm. looking back on it I was like no I was living my worst life <laughs> yeah <laughs> looking back um, on it right so yeah but no it's just definitely like anytime I hear somebody wants to you know get into the industry I warn them I'm like look like this is a this will be a rough road yeah and not to say that everybody's story is going to be like mine Mm -hmm. um but it's it's going to be a rough road and you have to you have to stay true to yourself that's what I always remind yeah women that want to get into it I'm like just make sure that you stay true to yourself 100 and you'll be fine that's good advice because, like, as you said, it's it's just so glamorized. You know, it's such a high lifestyle. It's so fun. All fun, you know. But there's also, oh, yeah. yeah, like, it can be a really, really fast uh, downfall, too, if you, if you think it's get out of control as well. So, yep. Which is something that we haven't really highlighted on uh, too much on the podcast. So, like, it's, re- again, really, really important that we're having this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. In your opinion, do stripper stereotypes ring true to an extent? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this stereotype. Yeah. I mean, I became that stereotype so quickly. And it's, and it sucks because we don't want to be that. Like for my first five years of dancing, I was not the stereotype and anybody that would, you know, come in and kind of ask for that stereotype, I would be very adamant of being like no yeah we're not all like that we're not no. all like that that's not how this works no um because <laughs> um, even during my five years like I would go on like no drinking for like five to six months right um that's so good and I mean to be honest like the times when I wasn't drinking or using I was making some of my best money right I think you're more you're more in control that way yeah Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like, I would get so caught up, like, when I was drinking and using, like, I would stay with customers who would feed me those. Yeah. Versus, like, when I wasn't drinking and I realized, like, oh, they all they want to do is buy me a drink. I could pick up myself faster and go on to the next client that would give me money. Right. Because drinks don't pay the bills. Drinks, oh god, I wish they did though. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was a nice gesture. In a <laughs> <laughs> Things would be a little bit different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what has helped you the most in getting sober? COVID. <laughs> and I, I love that. It's so true, though, honestly. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, like, I, so the night of my last night, I call it the last day. The last day. <laughs> the last day. Um, when I was super drunk and super high, and um, that happened a week before clubs closed. Oh, wow. So, you know, and, like, I had just started a new job, and so, like, that week I was in, like, orientation period and, mm-hmm. like, you know, getting set up with my new job. And so, like, I wasn't at the club. Right. And then I, like, was just about to put my work schedule in, and then the clubs closed. Wow. So it was COVID has, (laughs) I hate to say this, but COVID (laughs) has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. That is awesome. There's a silver lining to everything, you know? There is. 
because like my goal was like when I got because I since uh you know like (laughs) six years I was kind of like okay like I think I've done this long enough so I was on the verge of looking for a new job Mm -hmm. and like you know with the new job like if COVID hadn't happened I was still planning on being in the club Right. So that, you know, I could, because I wasn't sure if the new job was going to pay my bills. Right. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I had that little extra cushion. Um, but no, like finding out that this new job pays my bills and I don't have to go back to the club and COVID happening, it's definitely been a blessing in disguise. Total blessing in disguise for sure. Well, I'm really glad it happened then. <laughs> yeah. Especially your, me, in your case. Yes. I'll make a bumper sticker that says COVID got me clean. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag COVID got me clean. (laughs) I love that. We'll make it happen. (laughs) And we just have one more question here. So uh, do you have any advice for those struggling in the industry? Get out. Not to say that you can't get clean by being in the industry, but it's so much harder. It's yeah. so much harder. And it's, and not just, oh, how do I want to word this? <laughs> Stripping is essentially an entry level job. Like, we will always be, and I hope this comes across the right way. We will always be just strippers. Like we can't, we can't move up a ladder. Right like now, you can move up a ladder, like as far as like performances go and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. No, I totally um, get that. Okay, but it's like, where was I going with that? Oh my god, that train of thought totally lost my brain. No, um, that's such a good statement to make, though, because like it's that's really interesting. Because yes, you can move up in terms of like you know touring and competitions around the world and other yes. places like that. I, I get that and totally understand that. So I don't think that would be misconstrued at all. But okay, good. I would love you for to elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> that but statement. It's like we as humans are so capable of doing other things. Mm-hmm. And I think the industry is great. Like, you know, like become, get into the industry, go to school. Like when I would hear girls say that they're going to school, I was like, stick with it, stick with it. Totally. Because the industry is not an end all. Right. It's, we, as much as we want to say that we can, we can't do this forever. And that is a really real statement to say as well. It is. Because, you know, it's a very physical job. Oh, yeah. And mentally taxing. That too. Like emotionally, mentally, physical, all of those things. And to me, it's just like, hey, if you break your leg or something, you're kind of, you're pretty much done. Yeah. You you can't really operate. (laughs) If something no. goes wrong with your, with your body, right? So right, <laughs> it's pretty much dependent on that. So yes, it's good to have other goals or at least have long term goals too, so you have something to transition to. Yes, that's that's kind of the point that I was trying to make was like make sure that you have an exit plan. Yeah, exit plan, backup plan, future goals yes. doesn't hurt. So, and I completely agree with you on that. So. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> and I guess like with that, um, that brings us to the end of all the questions. Okay. But before I let you go, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. Yay. Is that what you meant? Oh, anywhere. Instagram, the studios you dance in, yeah, so <laughs> anything I, like that. <laughs> I'm taking online classes through Kiska, which go Kiska. Yes, um, go Kiska. I love that studio. I do too. There, that studio has changed my life for the better. So yeah, I you know still take online classes from Kiska. I have you know like a pole in my apartment. You can find yeah. me on Instagram. What's your handle? Um, Natasha Pole. Perfect. N a t a s h k a p o l e. Perfect. Perfect. We'll plug that all in the show notes below, and. Yeah. Any other closing notes there? Anything that you want to add? Any last minute things you want to say (laughs) before Um, I let you go? 
Yes, it will get better. Thank you. Yes, it, it will. will get better. You will. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel. That's such a great uh, note to end on. So thank you, Natashka, again. Yes, thank you. <laughs> for joining me on so the show. Fun. I hope it was. I really hope it was fun, therapeutic, you know, everything that you hoped it was going to be. Oh, yeah, no, this is great. <laughs> awesome. And I really hope to see you soon. I mean, I don't know when the, those borders are going to open, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. We will have to dance it out sometime. Absolutely. And don't forget to like, rate, follow, subscribe, share, review, all the things. It is Strip by Sia on Instagram or also my personal, which is Sia Steph. And we'll catch you guys in for another episode next week, next Sunday, same time, same place. Thanks, Natashka. We'll see you later. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.